LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel center ministry every week. Scott, what are we talking about today? Well, The One Thing is brought to you with thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network, and you've pressed play on episode number 99 of The One Thing, the importance of building confidence in the local church. 99. 99, yeah, one away. 99. 99, one, one, one away from episode number 100. And and I want to dig into uh, to your church experience just before we get into the episode. Um, growing up for you, what was church like? Yeah, well, I grew up in south of Sydney in Australia and church was vibrant when I was growing up. Uh, so my parents are Christians and we went to the local church just up the road as you did. Uh, and it was a vibrant church. So when you say vibrant, what do you mean? What does it look like? Well, cross-generational. So there was generations at all, you know, old people who knew all the babies who were around, who were involved in their lives. Uh, there was a community feel to it. And so there were things that happened in the church that everyone came to, the potluck dinners, you know, you'd bring a meal, uh, you'd spend kind of Christmases around. There was a local a Christian soccer team for the church that played in the... So there were all these things that, that, that revolved around the church. People's lives revolved around the church. It wasn't one thing out of eight things they did, as is now the case for most people. It was the thing they did, and everything was contained within that. And was there a lot of evangelistic growth? Can you remember people becoming Christians? No, and that's it's a great question because I no, I don't actually. Um, now it may have been, and I was just unaware of it, but I don't think that was part of the of the culture, the celebration of the vibrancy. I think looking back, the vibrancy was more around a cultural um, community rather than a theological conviction, um, and so that's probably borne out uh, in what we see now. So when I go back now. And, you know, as you keep reminding people, I'm about 85. Um, <laughs> so when I go back now to that church, it's the same people who are there. And so they still know me and I'm still, you know, the, the three-year-old running around. Um, there's no vibrancy there. Uh, it, it actually really saddens me, uh, that context in a lot of ways, because it's not as if there aren't good people there, but it's different. But are they doing life on life together? Are they doing life on life together? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not sure they would describe it as that. Let's say that. I'm not sure they would. They are. The thing is, they are actually in each other's lives. So that is true, if we're going to take a positive spin on it. But not quite, I suspect, in the tongue-in-cheek way you're describing it. Now, the reason I've asked uh, Derry that question is because we are talking about uh, building confidence in the local church. And I, re- I think it's really important to sort of get that context for uh, Derek's uh, you know, church background. Because uh, I, I want him to, I want him to talk into sort of missional, the missional sort of communities uh, vibe. Because, because over the last sort of ten to fifteen years, there's been a real push in the literature, uh, especially in the church planning world, uh, to to press into a, a missional community lifestyle. Because what we've had in the churches, it's been cultural, it's been insider focused. You know, the church that you experienced grow, growing up, I, I think a lot of people have responded to to say, well, let's let's actually get missional. And uh, let's live life on life, but with the hope of seeing conversion growth and with the hope of actually not being inside of focus, but actually being outside of focus. So is that what missional communities has brought? Well, I don't think it has. I'm going to have a rant. 
hopefully some sane person will step in at some point and pull me back. Um, but listen, I I don't think it does. So, you know, 20 years ago when there was a, a couple of one particular book I'm thinking of written, um, The Shaping of Things to Come, it had a huge impact in not just Australia but in the US and a number of countries as well. And there were some really helpful corrections in there about um, what I described with my growing up. Churches had turned inward. They were cultural. There'd been a whole bunch of people who didn't know Jesus, who may have been involved in the church for cultural reasons, but who drifted away because the theological convictions weren't there. Um, and so they'd been left behind as the church declined in status and stature in the West. Uh, they were kind of left on the fringes and churches were these little enclaves where they had no contact with. So the question for those who wanted to see people come to know Jesus, how do you connect with them? And so that's where missional community idea was born. It's not new necessarily. There's been lots of uh, lots of ways in which it's, it's happened in the past 2,000 years. But as we think about missional communities, the effect of that last 20 years... Um, I, I would say that the heart of missional communities was to reach the lost, and so you get back into those uh, communities and connect with them. But the method that they've implemented has not achieved, in my opinion, has not achieved the ends that they set out for. for. And it, and there's been a loss of confidence, I guess, in the local church. Like I've seen a number of guys who, who set out, you know, went overseas even to be part of the missional communities uh, movement and, and came back... Uh, you know, not having seen their idealistic visions of, you know, church being done the New Testament way and church being done the the right way, you know, so we can reach the other 90%. Mm, absolutely. And so this, hey, I'm waiting for the rant. No, I, well, here, here is my rant, <laughs> that it frustrates me that mission, people who are, are heavily invested in the missional community um, uh, methodology, there, there sometimes is... Look, I know this is being recorded, I think, isn't it? It's being recorded. So my nervousness with that is there's a, a picture painted that this is the spiritual way, the most effective way to reach people. But when I dig, when I dig beneath the service on these missional communities, now that can be quite poor, but it's people who are doing it. Actually, it feels like indulgence at points. It feels like, no, no, I'm not involved in the established church. I, I'm out there on Sundays when all you people are hiding behind the walls of your church and making yourself feel better and hiding from the world. I'm out there coaching the local soccer team and really doing mission. That's my mission field. And if you dig below that and you say, how many people in the last 10 years that you've been coaching that soccer team, when you've been the president, vice president of that soccer club, how many people have become Christians through that? The answer is none. But but I've got lots of contacts. But no one's become Christians. And I want to say, well, the heart is right, but the end goal has been completely missed. And so just just as people who are in church need to stop being sanctimonious, people who are pushing the missional communities need to stop being a little bit sanctimonious as well about it. Now, is this just a rant or is there some data that you can point to? <laughs> no, well, that was just a rant. And uh, yeah, if you want to email me a hate mail, scotts at genevapush.com. Um, but no, look, there, there is data that that we can push to on this. I'm not saying every instance of missional communities has been like that. Let me be very clear on and that. I, and I think there have been some helpful correctives. Like I think I think there has been a the missional communities has got you know gospel community and mission Absolutely. to actually see the community of uh, you know the community can be can be on mission. I think where they've actually worked it out, they've 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 pulled it into the into the too small. You know, so it's landed in house church. It's landed in your home group, and I think they've loaded up home groups with with too much responsibility mm. and then they've forgotten about the larger community that is is the local church as it's gathered yep. um, in the large. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to say there's been no good come out of it. In fact, I think it was a helpful corrective to a church turning inward. But 
what we are seeing, if the narrative is people aren't interested in established church anymore, and I agree there's a, there is a messaging PR problem with that. People have much less of a problem with Jesus. They do have a problem with um, the established church. In fact, Simon, uh, Simon Smart puts it really nicely. And in fact, this is he's in our next episode. I think we've got him coming up. Um, but the way he describes it is uh, there is, in Australia at least, a thin layer of resentment over a sea of apathy. That's so, just a teaser. That That's is just, a, just teaser. a teaser. Yeah. So, but but what he's saying is that, yeah, people might be pushing back against the established church, but what the NCLS—that's our National Church Life Survey data—that happens every five years that we build up a picture of what's happening in Australian religion. What they point to is it people with a Christian friend, that is, people who uh, see a Christian who lives out their faith and has integrity, and that person they might trust, people who have a Christian friend, they are willing. In fact, they would be interested, a majority of them, in coming to some sort of formal church function Sunday event. They would be willing to do it if they were invited. And so that, to me, is fascinating. That says Christians who live out their faith and who know non-Christians would be willing to come to the very thing which we are trying to deconstruct and saying is ineffective. Well, I want to push I want to push into that confidence question after our little short break. So we're going to talk about uh, how do you how do you create a culture uh, of confident people who are willing to, you know, invite uh, and are willing to uh, you know head out to their friends and actually uh, share the gospel with them, invite them to church. Uh, now the one thing is part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network and this is a good chance to point you to one of our partner podcasts. Have you listened to the 5LQ podcast with Todd Atkins recently? Uh, they have great guests on, and uh, I really love how these guys ask the same questions, but they don't just ask, they ask the same questions, but they always dig in and around the topic areas as well. So check out uh, five leadership questions on your favorite podcasting app uh, today. Now, uh, I'm going to dig into uh, some key resources in the toolbox when it comes to building confidence in the church. So my top three must-have resources are, uh, I reckon the plenary sessions from last year's Reach Australia conference are excellent, particularly the uh, the second day where we talked about actually working with your people. Uh, this whole area sort of talked about this area of increasing the mission heat and the culture in the church, looking at uh, people's confidence, their competency, uh, and also their convictions as well. Uh, the second is a course that we've talked about a lot on uh, Church in a Box, the mission course. Another great course to be working through with your leaders, uh, just in terms of building that mission uh, pipeline, that mission flow in your whole church. Now, the other thing, Derek, I, I just wanted to uh, bring you in on this one. Uh, what are some really key books that you found helpful just to sort of have regularly on your bookstall or regularly encourage people just to be giving away? Yeah, so I, I love giving away The Prodigal God. Um, for someone who was uh, thinking about what God is like and what he, you know, how he may relate to people, I love giving away Tim Keller's Prodigal God. For people who may have had more intellectual uh, issues with Christianity, Reason for God was excellent. Um, so I really love giving that one away. Um, uh, just a couple more. Uh, John Lennox wrote a great book. Um, Thinking about creation, I can't remember the title now. We'll put it in the show notes. Brilliant, he's excellent, John Lennox. He's a um a professor at Oxford. And then an Australian uh, one, uh, John Dixon's "Doubt as God to Jesus," and another excellent uh, resource. And and really just putting the Bible's Bible in people's hands, which is great. Yeah. Now I, I want to come back uh, to this topic of of building confidence. Okay. So can you just talk about uh, how do you build confidence in the local church? 
Yeah, well, I think there's probably, uh, let me just point to two key ways here. One is, uh, I suspect most adult Christians, uh, at least in Australia, haven't seen another adult become a Christian. Most stories we hear are from when I was growing up in a Christian household, yada, yada, yada. Or, oh, we can all point to the city. Most people become a Christian, you know, when they're under under the age of 18. Absolutely. So and support SRE and, to, you know, support... Uh, Kids' church in your local church, which I absolutely want to endorse. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely, I totally want to absolutely endorse. Absolutely, but, huge, huge, absolutely. But we're going to say actually, the gospel works in people even when they're past twenty. Um, so even when they're past university, and so we need to start celebrating publicly those stories uh, where God has worked to move people from death to life within our church, um, so that the people within our church have confidence that God does work not just historically, but presently in the lives of people. And therefore, by proxy, that God could work in the lives of their friends, even though they seem hostile to the idea of Christianity right now. So how do you do that? Most of our churches don't have a baptism pool in the in the font, so we can't baptize people in the middle of a church service. Yep. How do you, how do you build confidence? Oh, well, you can just get a bath from Bunnings if you've got a problem with that. So that's one way you could do it. Um, but look, the alternative way, you, you need to tell stories. So you have to be telling stories from the front, people sharing real testimony. So, uh, you know, baptism is a great moment, an amazing moment to be able to do that. Um, I think a confirmation for Anglicans would be another way in which you can do it. But anywhere in between, any chance you can get through videos, uh, through Bible study stories like written testimonies, through little snippets in newsletters about what God is doing in people's life, um, that you and need to keep selling. Do they have to be positive? Do they have to be positive? Yeah, like, can you tell stories where, hey, um, you know, I, I, I shared my faith with someone and it didn't work. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, we've yeah. been praying. I've been praying for this person for seven years, yeah, and they're yeah. still not a Christian. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think preachers have a big responsibility to do that as well. Um, so why does a negative story work as well? Oh, because it says actually we're human, doesn't it? You know why? But I think everyone knows that. When you hear a story where someone has put themselves on the line, been shot down, you resonate with that. Um, but the theological reflection of that is as well, actually we're loving people by sharing that. People will innately have an opposition to the gospel, so we should expect that. And yet it doesn't stop us praying for them. And it doesn't mean that that's it for them either. So we do need to keep sharing that story. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do love the parable of so, Sower. You know, I love how people will respond you know differently to the message of god and i think i think it is helpful to have those stories that actually remind people you know people's response to the gospel is actually to to reject it absolutely the other thing we need to build confidence in as well is actually the the mechanisms the structure i know that sounds clinical within the church actually if i have a friend who's not a christian if i invite them along do i have confidence that i will not be embarrassed do i have confidence that it's not as if christians obviously do weird things they pray, they stand up and sing at the front. Um, so there's things that happen. Which they have un- Christian soccer teams. They, they have Christian soccer, not so much anymore. But um, but a big shout out to Nawi Baps, my old alma mater there. Um, but listen, they they do. So we're not saying stop doing those things. I'm not talking about seeker services. I'm saying build confidence both in that God works in people's lives and that the church as an ecos as a community with all its gifts can help move your friend along and other people's friends along, and you can be involved in that. And so you've got to do events well. You've got to do the Sunday gathering well. And we're not we're not thinking performance there. No. But actually, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. When you say you're going to give a 15-minute podcast, you do a 15-minute <laughs> podcast, for example. 
It's exactly right. When you say you're going to run an event that is just an introduction to the community, then just do that. Don't do the rope-a-dope. Don't pull out the 25-minute altar call. So you need to build confidence in the things that you're doing in order for people who have friends who aren't Christians who want to come to come along. So that builds a culture of, of invitation because they know when they invite their friend, they're going to be they're going to get good food. Uh, there's going to be a clear gospel presentation or not a clear gospel presentation because it's actually That's just a, is, a connection yep. event. Uh, that that is really helpful. So two areas of building confidence in your church, as we said, jump into the toolbox to get uh, more on this. What's your one thing, Derek, when it comes to building confidence in the local church? That God works in people's lives. And we need to build confidence in those in our churches that that is true and that the local church itself can help move people from death to life. Now, the coaching tour is on uh, in the next month. So join Craig Tucker and Kathy Hurd, uh, directors of coaching at the Geneva Push Network, as they travel uh, all over Australia uh, talking about gospel coaching. It's going to be a full day of exploring, identifying and learning about gospel coaching. On the 31st of March, uh, they'll be in Brisbane. On the 2nd of April, they'll be in Melbourne. And on the 3rd of April, they're going to be in Sydney. Head over to our website, genevapush.com forward slash events, and you'll be able to register for that event today. Now, if you've liked what you've heard today on The One Thing, we'd appreciate it if you take one moment just to rate the show on iTunes as well. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. Coming up in our next episode, Derek, what are we going to be looking at? Our 100th episode, we have Simon Smart, and we're going to be talking to him about, is the tide rising? on Christianity in the West. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon.